Welcome to episode 111 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about Kamala Harris. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as state secession, George Floyd, Michael Flynn, vote by mail, or political blasphemy and heresy comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and the video versions are available on bitshoot.com, brighteon.com, and now ThinkSpot. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for more information. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. If we lived in a country governed by the Constitution as written and ratified by the states, the presidential race every four years would garner about as much attention as, I don't know, maybe a big sporting event like Game 7 of the NBA Finals, or that might be a little too generous, maybe, maybe Game 7 of the NHL Finals. We're talking maybe a third of the population would really be engaged in a meaningful way. Unfortunately, as articulated in the last episode, number 110, The Truth About How to Save America from Itself, we live in a post-constitutional America, one in which the Constitution is largely ignored by all national politicians from both sides of the aisle. Because of that, the presidential race becomes the most followed event every four years. What drives this massive interest is the amount of unconstitutional power wielded in D.C. in general but specifically in the executive branch. Joe Biden recently selected California Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate. Just like her boss, she has spent her entire career in government, moving from one taxpayer-funded job to another. No private sector experience. I love having politicians making decisions about how the rest of us should live who have never held down a real job. The fact is, no one really cares about vice presidents. They have no real power other than casting the decisive vote in the Senate if needed. Think about the last four decades. We've had VPs and VP nominees of Walter Mondale, George H.W. Bush, Geraldine Ferraro, Dan Quayle, Lloyd Benson, Al Gore, Jack Kemp, Dick Cheney, Joe Lieberman, John Edwards, Joe Biden, Sarah Palin, Paul Ryan, Tim Kaine, Mike Pence, and now and now Kamala Harris. So why spend any time talking about someone who, if history is any guide, will be a footnote in the history books? Well, of course you know the answer. Joe Biden is not healthy. I saw a recent poll where over 50% of Democrats surveyed do not think he will serve out his first term in office if elected. That number is even higher among Republicans. And one more reason Harris deserves scrutiny is to examine if what the corporate press is saying about her is actually accurate. The party line, so to speak, about Harris from the left-wing media is that she's a pragmatic moderate, a wonderful role model for girls all over the world. Is that the case, or is she, as others have suggested, a manipulative, authoritarian opportunist? You tell me what you think after listening to this episode. So, what kind of things demonstrate her authoritarian or Machiavellian leanings? 
Well, let's start out with her record as district attorney in San Francisco, which included convicting nearly 2,000 people of varying marijuana charges, averaging nearly 300 per year. In case you're wondering, that's a lot. Based on data from the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, Harris's annual marijuana conviction rate was only exceeded once in 1993. A few years later, while running for the Democratic's presidential nomination, she appeared on a podcast and laughed about smoking dope herself. Despite the fact that there were at least the names of 40 current and former priests who had been accused of molestation by people in that archdiocese, Harris was the only DA among those from the top 50 metropolitan cities not to lay charges against clergy for sexual abuse. Kamala Harris claimed that she sealed records that her predecessor was set to reveal in order to protect the victims. This despite the fact that the victims called that outrageous and wrong. Why might she have chosen such a path? It couldn't have anything to do with Harris receiving political donations from lawyers and law firms representing the Archdiocese of San Francisco. I mean, what's more important, justice or campaign donations? It would appear that Harris was not a big fan of this newfangled thing called DNA testing as evidence for criminal prosecutions. California Governor Gavin Newsom ordered new DNA testing in the 1983 murder case of Kevin Cooper. Cooper came within hours of execution in 2004 after being charged with the murders of an adult couple and two children. Harris opposed the testing when she was the state's attorney general. Look, an honest AG one not guided by authoritarian leanings, would only want one thing, the truth. Back in 2011, the U.S. Supreme Court ordered the state of California to release 33,000 prisoners because its state prison system was unconstitutionally overcrowded. Harris was the attorney general at the time, had her office pushed back on the Supreme Court's order, claiming that prison inmates, who were primarily minorities, were cheap labor and were needed to help fight wildfires. I mean, only an authoritarian thinks so little of the lives of fellow human beings that she would rather keep them incarcerated, separated from their families, and not gainfully employed. Another claim against Harris, this time Biden himself during the primaries, discussed a federal judge who freed a thousand inmates after it was discovered that the San Francisco Crime Lab had misused evidence, and that then-District Attorney Harris had failed to reveal that the evidence was possibly tainted. The Washington Post reported, quote, It was revealed in March 2010 that Harris and her staff had not informed defense lawyers that evidence from the police-run crime lab might have been tainted. A judge ruled in May of 2010 that Harris had failed to inform defendants as required by law. Harris said she took responsibility and made no excuses for the failure, end quote. Again, no big deal if a few thousand fellow human beings are improperly incarcerated. You've got to be some kind of evil to think like that. How about her view of the Constitution? Turns out authoritarians are not too fond of anything that puts constraints on them. As Tyler Curtis, writing for Mises.org, wrote, quote, over the course of her campaign, her presidential campaign, she has repeatedly promised to bypass Congress and take unilateral action on a whole host of intensely divisive issues. On immigration, she has vowed to issue an executive order granting citizenship to dreamers. Those are the migrants brought to America illegally by their parents. 
On the environment, she says she will declare a state of water emergency and force the country to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. He continues, Many observers have noted how dictatorial these statements sound, and rightly so. To follow through on any one of these proposals would be deeply suspect. But the sheer number of them, coupled with Harris's brazen, preemptory attitude, must leave no doubt as to her authoritarian ambitions. He concludes, For Harris, Congress is at best merely an advisory board. As a kindly gesture, the president may ask Congress for permission to do something, but he or she does not really require their assent. End quote. Harris has also said she'd do an end run around Congress on guns. Of course. She had this to say at one point. Upon being elected, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass gun safety laws. And if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. And specifically, what I'll do is put in place a requirement that for anyone who sells more than five guns a year, they are required to do background checks when they sell those guns. In 2019, she bannied around the idea of steering Americans away from eating so much red meat. Oh, and she wanted to ban plastic straws. See how the authoritarian tendencies just continue to expand? And you thought Michael Bloomberg was nuts? What about free speech? Mm, not so much. Just one example is her suggestion that Trump's Twitter account be suspended. Turns out free speech is a good weapon against bad policy prescriptions, lies, and propaganda. We can't have that, can we, Kamala? By the way, this cracks me up. The Twitter official who announced that a recent t Trump tweet was being removed is Harris's former press secretary. I mean, the revolving door for national Democratic operatives and officials into the media is just quite remarkable. Probably one of the most bizarre entries on Harris's resume is her enforcement of school truancy laws, going after parents of kids who repeatedly miss school. In 2010, Harris defended her decision to criminally prosecute parents for their children's truancy. In a video taken at the Commonwealth Club when Harris was district attorney of San Francisco, Harris said that, quote, a child going without an education is tantamount to a crime, end quote. She decided to treat parents with absentee children as criminals. Harris cheerfully recounts the story of sending an attorney from her office to intimidate a homeless single mother whose children were missing school. She smiled as she recalled how she instructed her subordinates to, quote, look really mean so that the mother would take the threat of jail seriously. In separate footage, Harris mocked those on the left who say things like, build schools, not jails, and put more money into education, not prisons suggesting they are naive sloganeers who do not understand crime prevention. You've got to be one short-sighted, unimaginative authoritarian to think that locking up parents is a good solution to truancy. That's a special kind of stupid. So that is some of her authoritarian tendencies demonstrated by her actions and her own words. What kind of things demonstrate her opportunistic leanings? We are being told that Kamala Harris is a role model for women and girls all over the world. That's weird because we don't hear the same thing when Sarah Palin was the VP nominee. I wonder why. Well, if you know anything about Kamala Harris's history, the low-hanging fruit episode in her life that demonstrates her opportunistic tendencies is easily her affair with Willie Brown. She was in her late 20s. Willie was around 60 years old. 
Brown at the time was California State Assembly Speaker, a position he held for 15 years before becoming San Francisco's first black mayor. Needless to say, he was a very powerful man in California politics. The kind of guy that could do wonders for an ambitious young person's career if they were willing to do what it takes to get ahead. Brown wrote about the affair in an article in one of the San Francisco newspapers several years ago and in his autobiography. He appointed her to two commissions, the Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board and the California Medical Assistance Commission, both of which I'm sure she was well qualified for. Those positions paid her over $400,000 during a very lucrative five-year run. Hell, he even bought her a BMW at one point. She was his eye candy to take to political events instead of his wife. Harris has struggled to shirk her association with Brown, who she has described as an albatross hanging around her neck. But you just don't hear much about Brown and Harris in the liberal media, do you? I wonder why. Opportunity knocks often in Democratic circles, especially when it comes to race. When Harris was elected to the Senate, she positioned herself as the first person of Indian descent to serve in the Senate. See, her mother is Indian. Today, she is the first African-American or black woman as a VP candidate. See, her father is Jamaican. Only you virtue-signaling woke idiots care about race, color, or creed. Speaking of race, National Democrats never waste an opportunity to drive the racial discord. Harris tweeted that Jesse Smollett, you remember the former actor who filed a false police report saying that he was attacked by two men wearing MAGA hats in the middle of a snowstorm at 2 a.m. in Chicago while he was buying a Subway sandwich? Oh, and then they also poured bleach on him and threw a noose around his neck? Harris tweeted that that incident was a modern-day lynching. Anything to stir the racial pot, huh, Cam? Another virtue-signaling opportunity too good to pass up was Harris's claim to be one of the first classes to be integrated in elementary school. She made this claim during her takedown of Biden during one of the Democrats' debates last year. The problem is she lied. She was born in 1964. Berkeley schools were integrated in 1963. So we know Harris has serious authoritarian tendencies, and we know she is an opportunist par excellence. Here are a few examples of her manipulative nature. First off, she essentially called Biden a segregationist during the Democratic primary debates, but now accepts his VP slot. In other words, she was against Biden before she was for him. Speaking of being against Biden, she once said she believes the women who accused him of sexual harassment. Do you think Tara Reid's name will ever venture from Harris's mouth? Speaking of sexual harassment and sexual abuse, how about Kamala's treatment of Brent Kavanaugh during his nomination hearings? Talk about search and destroy. Man, this woman is ruthless. Cut your throat and watch you bleed out. Oh, and she once grilled the head of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, in congressional testimony, likening the agency to the KKK. All right, I want to shift gears now and take a few moments to address the claim made by every liberal-leaning news organization that Harris is a pragmatic moderate. Let's start with this from the nonpartisan govtrack.us website, which rated Senator Kamala Harris the most left-wing member of the Senate in 2019, further left than Democratic Socialist Bernie Sanders. In 2018, Harris was ranked the fourth most liberal, but by 2019, a year she spent running for president, Harris had moved to the furthest extreme. Hmm. 
Does that sound pragmatic? Maybe, depending on your perspective. Moderate? Not so much. How about her stance on socialized medicine, now referred to as Medicare for All, or as I call it, Obamacare on steroids? She was for it before she was not quite for it in totality. Regardless, she was very clear about her desire to eliminate private insurance companies. You must understand the mentality of the leftists. They know what's best for you. They are willing to crash and burn the private medical insurance industry in order to implement a socialized medical scheme that has a 100% failure rate. Listen to episodes 9, 12, 14, and 17 for a deep dive into socialized medicine and the American healthcare system. Anyways, her healthcare stance doesn't sound very moderate to me. When it comes to the environment, Harris was an early co-sponsor of the Senate version of the Green New Deal. For those unfamiliar with this monstrosity, this means immense amounts of new subsidies for green energy, paid for with new taxes, and a host of new regulations on private businesses. It means global management of carbon emissions in line with international agreements like the Paris Accord, which, as I've already demonstrated, she would unconstitutionally use executive orders to rejoin. Wait, it gets better. She wants to ban fracking in the United States. It's at times like this that the phrase made famous by Michael Savage, liberalism is a mental disorder, really hits home. When you oppose fracking, you oppose the United States being energy independent, rather than being subject to the whims of OPEC and other oil-producing nations. Why would you do that? Also, one of the biggest drivers of our economy over the last, I don't know, six or seven years, definitely the last three and a half, has been the energy sector. You know, all the exploration going on in North Dakota and the like. Those are high-paying jobs. Why would you oppose that? Both positions on the environment, the Green New Deal, and the fracking are the opposite of pragmatic and moderate. They are stupid and radical. As mentioned earlier, Harris has vowed to issue an executive order granting citizenship to DREAMers. Guess what? She also supports granting free health care to illegal immigrants. Not to worry, she's just using taxpayer-printed money as a down payment on future voters. Very forward-thinking. What about voting rights for convicted murderers? She said, quote, I think we should have that conversation, end quote. Why? When it comes to foreign policy, Harris is not significantly different from Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Susan Rice, Joe Biden, or any other high-ranking U.S. official who has been happy to perpetuate endless wars across the globe in recent decades. According to her official campaign website, no region of the world is off-limits to U.S. intervention so long as the U.S. intervenes multilaterally. Very pragmatic. When it comes to economic policy, her authoritarian tendencies comes out in spades. It's the usual interventionist slate of policies. She wants to empower labor unions, more heavily regulate employers, and aggressively prosecute businesses for a variety of crimes that run afoul of the intricate labyrinth of federal laws managing the financial sector. What about rent control? Well, if you think Banking a policy that 93% of economists claim reduces quantity and quality of housing available, if you think that's pragmatic and moderate, oh man, then Harris is your woman. If you are interested, do a search on the words Kamala Harris, Oregon, rent control. You're bound to come across a story or two exemplifying her ignorance and or opportunism on this topic. 
This pragmatic moderate appears to prioritize killing babies in the womb over freedom of religion. During a 2018 district judge confirmation committee hearing, she insinuated that the candidate, having been a member of the Knights of Columbus for 15 years, disqualifies him from sitting on the bench. See, the Knights of Columbus, being a Catholic organization, is opposed to abortion. And to this pragmatic, moderate partisan, they are opposed to women's reproductive rights. You know, the same old line pro-abortionists have been using for decades. I would love if the nominee had asked Harris, what about the babies? Listen to episode two if you want to see more about that. While I'm on the topic of abortion, this pragmatic moderate voted against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, making her pro-infanticide, not unlike the rest of the National Democrats. Harris has co-sponsored the most aggressively pro-abortion piece of federal legislation ever introduced, the Woman's Health Protection Act, which would override state restrictions on abortions in the last three months of pregnancy, well after fetal viability. I don't care where you stand politically or religiously, but this is pure evil. People like Harris literally worship at the altar of abortion. They sacrifice babies. Oh, and she filed an amicus brief on the Hobby Lobby case making the argument that religion and business don't mix. You may recall in 2014 Hobby Lobby approached the Supreme Court asking for a religious exemption to Obamacare's contraceptive mandate. Harris, then the Attorney General of, of California, filed the brief telling the Supreme Court not to grant Hobby Lobby the exemption. Quote, Rights to the free exercise of religious beliefs, whether created by statute or by the Constitution, likewise protect the development and expression of an inner sanctum of personal religious faith. Free exercise rights have thus also been understood as personal, relating only to individual believers and to limited class of associations comprising or representing them, end quote. In other words, there's no religious rights in the business sector. Pragmatic. And finally, I want to point out something about Kamala Harris's family. Now, listen, look, I, I apply the same standard to Harris as I do to anyone else when it comes to their ancestry. You don't blame someone today for the sins of their ancestors, period. End of story. And honestly, I wouldn't even bring this up here if it wasn't for the hypocrisy of the National Democratic Party. I know, I know, being a hypocrite is a feature of the National Democrats, but nonetheless, if they were consistent about the point I am about to make, their hair would literally light on fire and Kamala Harris would be canceled. According to Harris's father, a Stanford University economics professor, Donald Harris, their ancestors owned slaves. A research archive of Jamaican records indicate that at one point, Hamilton Brown, their ancestor, owned scores of slaves. Some reports state that they owned five plantations and 200 slaves, the majority of which were brought from Africa, although they own, did own some Creole slaves. So, let me get this straight. Number one, the left is tearing down statues of various founding fathers because they own slaves. Two, the Democrats play the race card on a daily basis, but three, their VP nominee comes from a family that owns slaves. If you follow their ill logic, we are left to conclude that they really are not outraged by racism and slavery. It's all for show. I don't know what else to say. It's very confusing. So what do you think? Is Kamala Harris a pragmatic moderate, 
a great role model for women and girls all over the world? Or is she a manipulative, authoritarian opportunist? Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.